On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had a chance to chat with Parker Burr from Feet Clothing. We had an awesome conversation all around what worked to build their business to the size that it is right now is not going to work going forward. Um, There's going to be some things that are working, some things that aren't, but we're in a different industry in 2022. Everyone's needing to make pivots. Some people are, some people aren't. Uh, We talked about their journey into flagship retail. We talked about wholesale. We talked about all things growth. Guys, if you are a seven-figure plus business owner, which is most of you who are listening to this, you are not going to want to miss this episode. If you are a mid-seven-figure brand, and above. Listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, How about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, are you trying to continuously optimize your website and still you suffer from a poor conversion rate? Do most of the visitors on your website just drop off without actually viewing a single product and you have got zero clue why? And did you know that the average conversion rate in brick and mortar is actually 30%? Imagine having a 30% conversion rate on your website. Sounds like a dream, right? That's because your website is missing the biggest driver of conversion that brick and mortar stores have. And that's a sales associate. Rep is a company that has developed the world's first ever AI powered sales associate and is bringing the store associate online for e-com brands. It is a sales focused chatbot that uses AI to automatically identify and approach disengaged customers with a contextual and personalized conversation to upgrade your customer experience and increase your sales. Just like in brick and mortar, it recommends products, answers product related questions, and even upsells. So go to hellorep.ai slash upgrowth and get a two week free trial and a special offer just for our listeners, 50% off your first 12 months. You are not going to want to miss this one. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am joined by fellow, uh, what am I going to call him? Fabric aficionado, uh, fellow apparel aficionado, Parker Burr from Feet. Parker, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Good to be chatting. Yeah, yeah. I'm super pumped about this. This is one of those uh, conversations I was really looking forward to because it's really great to be in the room, so to speak, <laughs> with somebody who's in a very similar uh, industry as us. And, you know, we're all facing very similar, I am going to call them headwinds right now uh, in the growth uh, of these, uh, you know, d- mainly direct consumer companies. So Parker, for people who don't know anything about you or about Feet, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you guys do. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, super long story short is freshman year of college back in like 2011, I kind of fell into making sports uniforms for lacrosse teams. And that's cool. when I really like found my entrepreneurial itch and said, oh, this is pretty fun. I'm going to go do this. I started making uniforms for teams and I sold a million dollars of uniforms while I was in college. And, you know, I didn't understand any margin. I didn't know how to manufacture anything. I, I really didn't know much, right? I'm just starting out. And then by my senior year, all my customers were asking for kind of crazy socks to match their uniforms. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, why does a, you know, a 18, a 20, a 22 year old guy care about socks for the first time, right? Like what a weird concept. Yeah. But if you remember at that time, sock brands were just kind of popping off. So yeah. that's yeah. when I met Taylor, my co-founder. And I said, Hey, I have this concept to build what was going to be a sock brand. And we ran after it for a couple of years. That was feet. Uh, we call it feet. Feet as a word is obviously a great accomplishment, right? And it had this root, like kind of roots in like adventure and just kind of going after it. And that's what we were doing. It was so authentic to us. So we went out and we were slinging socks out of our backpacks, selling them off the picnic tables, <laughs> outside of the dining hall. Like I'll never forget the first time till I was like, let's sell them on campus, right? We're selling socks to college kids. Yeah. That was really like the humble beginning. And then a couple of years in, we said, you know what? Like, let, let's really scale this thing. Let's go for the, like, if we're going to do this, let's do it big. And we yeah. kind of drew up the 2.0 plan. And that's the brand that you see today. We're really playing in this active lounge and work acceptable wear. We see the future as a very blurry mix of those things. Like as an example, to, to kind of distill that down, what that means at the product level, like this shirt that I'm wearing was made yeah. from a sweatshirt material of ours, but we put it into like a button down where I'm as comfortable as I was wearing my sweatshirt on the couch, right? But now I'm in cool. public and, and it's work acceptable. So that's how we kind of see the future and that's where we're at today. I love it. I'm thinking about some competitors in the space that have a similar model who, you know, have done pretty well. I'm thinking Kit and Ace locally here. That's one of Chip Wilson's, I think his son yeah. ran that. Similar sort of space that I know is just something that people want, right? Like nobody wants to wear a suit. Who yeah. wants to wear a suit? Who wants to wear like professional clothing if they don't have to, right? Yeah. Or at least professional feeling clothing comparatively. And yet you still want to look good. So That's right. I feel like you guys are in that space. Let's talk about your progression of direct to consumer. You guys came in at a really good time around 2015 where, you know, things were, it was kind of the wild west out there, right? And, you know, Facebook was just taking off as far as ads and, you know, you could really build a, a D2C business. Talk to me about some of that growth. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Jordan, we, we missed that very early wave of the direct to consumer model in 2015. That's not where we were focusing our efforts. Like we weren't, we weren't even, that wasn't on our radar. I don't even remember saying direct to consumer e-commerce, <laughs> Shopify. Like I don't remember saying these terms, right? Like it wasn't what we were talking about. And it's just what, seven years ago. So we didn't focus there. Like, like I said, we were like slinging socks at picnic tables. It was humble beginnings. It wasn't like we had this master plan to take over the world with Facebook ads in 2015. If we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a very different story. But with that said, probably a year or two into it, we met some of the guys at Chubby's and they said, hey, you got to look at direct to consumer. Uh, you got to get on Shopify. You know, this is 2016, yeah. something like that. You got to do this. And that's when they kind of really opened our eyes to like, what is this direct to consumer thing? Like, because we didn't know. It's so hard to look back and be like, what do you mean you didn't know? Like, it, it wasn't a thing yet. I remember seeing like Taff advertise on Facebook for the first time, you know, seeing Pure Vita on Facebook, like seeing some of these big names yeah. advertise. And that kind of like popped on our radar. Like, what is this? So we missed that early wave, but stumbled into it once we moved out to LA in, in 2017 and met uh, Jake Kasson at Movement. He's really the one that opened our eyes to cool. what is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome, Brad. I didn't know that you guys were connected. So interestingly, we've had all these people on the podcast before. We didn't have Jay, but we had whoever their CMO was. Guys, it's been yeah, so Ryan. many episodes. I think yeah. this is like 350 or something. Probably Ryan. Was it Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> it's been so okay. long. One of the people who got an exit at one point. Cool. And then we actually ended up having the uh, portfolio CEO of the company who bought Chubby's on just recently. Nice. Solo. Yeah. 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 And it's super cool. John, uh, John from Solo and, uh, and getting to see sort of the rise of that brand because um, we all sort of came 
came up in that same sort of era. Similar, like guys, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but like similar in 2015, I, you know, when you could look back on return on ad spend and all that kind of stuff that far back in, in Facebook ads manager, I was running engagement campaigns because I had like literally no clue what I was doing. I was running engagement campaigns to posts, like essentially just boosting posts. And they have like an 80 return on ad spend on these things. Printing. You know, like you could literally do anything you wanted to and get sales. The one that makes, <laughs> that drives me nuts is I look back in my Facebook notifications. If I scroll to that time, 2014, 15, 16, Facebook was giving out credit saying, just advertise with us, just advertise with us. And I'm like, you know, didn't even look yeah, at it. Or Facebook. Them, didn't even look at, I didn't know what it meant. You know, you don't know what it means, right? Like, and there's like thousands of dollars in credits that I never got to use. And, you know, imagine free money getting an ADX return, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, it's just, yeah, just ridiculous. So Parker, I mean, I'm sure all of us are reminiscing right now who are listening to this, like, oh man, let's just go back to those days. Like I want that again. And it's, it's not going to happen, right? That particular thing won't happen. Will there be other platforms? Will there be other methods? All of that kind of stuff? Absolutely. This was not the last gold rush that was out there. Yeah. But we need to make pivots, right? We were talking a little bit about this before. Can you walk me through like, you know, we're in 2022, we're recording this kind of end of May of 2022. There's a lot of brands out there for sale, I'll tell you. Yeah. And a lot of people really, really struggling. Walk me through like, what is the strategy for 2022 for a real brand? Yeah, I love the term gold rush, right? Because like, we look back and we say, Oh, man, the getting was was good back then. But in 2022, right now at current going into this year, we knew we knew this was the year that things really, really changed, right? Like no longer a standalone direct to consumer brand advertising in a couple core channels, like that's just not the move anymore. With that said, I think in times of, you know, call it turmoil, or whatever we want to label this this time, I think this is another gold rush right now. Mm. And in the beginning of a gold rush, you got to go out and you got to find where the gold is. And that's what's happening right now, right? Is like, we know there's gold out there, right? There's consumer demand for almost every category. Sure, it might be slowing recession, all those macro things, we can get to that. But more people, the macro trends are still there. More people are still buying more goods online every year, right? Yeah. So like, where are they discovering the product? Like that is the gold rush opportunity. Yeah. That's they didn't stop about. buying. That's right. Right? Like people didn't stop buying. You just, you're just Facebook ads aren't working. That's right. Like and maybe <laughs> it's the discovery is what what changed, right? So where do you discover? You know, so my initial thoughts were, oh, you know, maybe now the discovery happens just within Amazon. Maybe they're the behemoth that takes over everything. But I've talked to a lot of people in the industry on Amazon and they're seeing the same thing. So, I mean, we also have macro headwinds right now, you know, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but like consumer spending, like if you ask, I think we're in some sort of recession. I think consumer people are holding their, their wallets a little tighter. I just think they are. But to answer your question, I think the term that we keep coming back to is omni-channel, right? Like the future is omni-channel. The answer is actually right in front of us. Look at the biggest brands, the biggest brands, not Shopify brands, the biggest brands in any space. So for us in clothing, let's look, let's think of the biggest, right? Nike, like who's up there? Yeah. Lululemon. I look at Lulu. I just, I mean, I'm Perfect. I'm wearing us and Lulu. Perfect. So $50 billion brand, right? Like, yeah. what is their model? Like, you don't say, oh, this yeah. is their model, right? Like they have a zillion stores. They have a massive direct-to-consumer business, right? They have a big catalog business. Like they have it, they're doing it all. And like, that's really the answer. Yeah. Huge partnerships. They're doing ambassadors. They're getting, yeah. It's the answer that none of us want to hear, right? All of us want the answer that says, this is, here it is. Here's the silver bullet right here for you. Here it is, Jordan. Just take it. You're good to go. But like, that's not the age we're in anymore, right? Like (laughs) that's over. Now you have to build a well-rounded business with multiple streams of revenue that are symbiotic and grow each other. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So let's go back to, and I want to dissect Lulu because I feel like, I mean, especially being like a Vancouver person, 
person, you know, Chip is just a stone's throw away from me here. <laughs> no way. Let's go. I'd love to meet him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so would I, Parker. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> I've actually had a few people reach out recently because I, I guess we're somehow first connections on LinkedIn or something. Nice. A few people reach out being like, oh, hey, can you intro me? I'm like, no, can you intro me? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's look at their model because I, I think this is something interesting that you guys are getting into and something that we also are exactly on the same page, just maybe six months behind you right now on. The way and what he learned from, if you guys haven't read his biography, absolutely phenomenal biography for anybody, whether you're in in apparel or not, phenomenal to see his learnings from, you know, what to me was a massive brand in this area, West Beach, to him basically making nothing when he sold it because of the mistakes that he had made within West Beach and then figuring out, oh, actually flagship retail is the way to go, right? Owning flagship retail and not going to wholesale is the ultimate way to protect your brand and build a real massive brand. So let's let's talk about that, Parker, and and where you guys are at with all of that and, and sort of that model. Yeah, I mean, I think like whenever we look at other brands, we have to think, okay, let's talk about how they did it, but let's also put an asterisk on everything because you can't replicate timing, right? So like if we, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's you. the most important yeah, thing to remember, great. right? You can't replicate that piece. You could do, you could copy everything, you could do everything the exact same, but you can't replicate timing. So you have to adjust for the timing. That's why, you know, I'd love to say, oh, you know, wholesale, you lose control of your brand. We're not going to do that. We're just going to build stores. We can't do that fast enough as a brand in 2022, nope. right? Like you don't, don't have, have the to. funding to do it that's either. I was gonna say we don't have 50 million dollars in funding so like we're not gonna go yeah. open 50 stores this year but we are gonna open a couple you know so like we're doing that and, and we're walking into it pretty fast in the grand scheme but re- like i said omni-channel approach owned and operated retail massive priority wholesale massive priority and continuing to figure out direct to consumer because that's just a changing channel like we just talked about like sure they don't discover you on facebook or instagram where are they discovering you you know maybe it's a platform change maybe it's how they discover you who they discover you through right like those things are just changing so we're really looking at those three pillars for sure retail wholesale sale direct to consumer. Awesome. What does it take to open flagship retail? I mean, I know you guys are, I've I've (laughs) watched a little bit of Taylor's stuff of, you know, some of the demolition there on LinkedIn and opening up flagship retail. Super inspiring. Like, you know, something that we've been looking to to get into here. Walk me through what what that's been like with the first store build. Yeah, such a good question because we're wrapping it up right now in no particular order. It's super cool, right? Because we're a digital brand where when you're digital for six years or more, like six, seven years, things become numbers on a screen, right? And you just want bigger numbers. And like, it becomes very, you're, you're not seeing your customer and hearing their feedback. Like, yeah, let me yeah. just rewind. Like two weeks ago, we had this little pop-up shop with F45 in our local gym. And we sold a couple thousand bucks of product. And it's probably the most fun I've had in this business in a couple of years. Cause like you interact, <laughs> you see people grab yeah, your product yeah. and say, wow, this is so nice. Right? Like you don't see any of that in the digital world. You just get the Yelp effect of like five stars or one star. You suck or you're awesome. That's it. There's no real, you lose the human element. So that's been the most exciting thing, right? Is to see like, we're actually building stuff with our hands. It's creating something like we're building an asset that is this four wall building. It's a, the flagship in LA is going to be like our number one, our flagship store. It's over 2000 square feet. We have an office in it. So our LA team can work up there and then go down and say, Jordan, like, let me show you this new product we just came out with, right? Like, so you get that, like our whole team is going to be experiencing that like in-person customer interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, the I get, like the build out has been awesome. You got to check out Taylor Offer TikTok. He's been going pretty viral awesome. on TikTok. It's been pretty fun to follow along. This month's sponsor is Rep AI. Rep is the world's first 
ever AI-powered sales associate for e-commerce website. It's a sales-focused chatbot that uses AI to automatically identify and approach disengaged customers with a contextual and personalized conversation to upgrade customers' experience and increase sales. Just like in brick and mortar, it recommends products, answers product-related questions, and even upsells. So hit hellorep.ai slash upgrowth and get a two-week free trial plus 50% off for your first 12 months. Now back to today's episode. That's, oh yeah, that's great. So how did you guys choose uh, this location? I know you're talking about this and another location. Where, yeah. how did you guys come to that conclusion? I mean, LA is freaking massive, especially for a Canadian man. Like you guys yeah. have like the amount of people in California that we do in Canada. How did you pick a, like a specific location that you're like, ah, okay, we're going to be able to actually acquire new customers here. Yeah, this is, I mean, a lot of thought went into this, right? So we were in LA, both Taylor and I, and we were building our business in LA in this area for um, over four years. Taylor's also born and raised LA with a massive network. So we thought, like what do we have within reach we have a huge network of friends and family especially on taylor's side as well as mine from when i was there some employees in the area who also have huge networks so we thought like where is there a built-in starting audience then you know naturally there's only a couple major places like are you going to be in beverly hills on rodeo no it's not on brand for us right like yeah we knew yeah. we were going to be on the west side so really it came down to santa monica or venice so then you're like are we going to be on abbott kinney which is kind of the big one right it's thirty thousand dollars a month for a teeny place and you you're alongside all the big names. Yeah. We looked at that and just decided that wasn't for us. Like we're super familiar with the area. We're really betting big on Main Street, just a couple blocks away from Abbott Kinney. Uh, we're going in next to Juneshine, like one of our favorite brands, uh, San cool. Diego brand. We're going in next to Juneshine, Aviator Nation, and just some epic, epic brands that we really kind of aligned with. And then we fell in love with the actual space. The space is sick. So it's kind of a number of those factors, right? We bet on the street and the location to have some audience built in. Our own audience is already in the area. So we're going to have events all the time and people come and buy and like really use the space. And then the space itself was just epic. That's awesome. Another sort of strategic thing that I've been thinking about with flagship retail, uh, with the brands that we own, as well as other distribution centers, right? Like you've then got a built-in distribution center if you can somehow manage that where you've already got stock on the other side of the country, right? Especially for us in Canada, like there's a massive, it's first of all, massive charge from Vancouver to Toronto in that alone, plus the amount of time that it actually takes. So, I mean, similar for you guys with New York and, you know, being able to get product all the way across the country, it takes a long time for shipping, right? And especially when people are used to Prime, you know, one day shipping, it's, it's, I think it's hard sometimes for people with D2C brands like that. Is that a consideration for future growth? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, there's like a lot of operational backend things that we see as advantages in the long term for owned and operated retail. A couple things, right? Like, we started this conversation talking about how hard the ad environment is and discovery on, on paid social specifically, right? So like, where else do you get eyeballs? You get eyeballs by being in a great location in a physical way. Okay, great. So we yeah. retail kind of does that for us, right? There's customer acquisition built into that. Like a rent cost almost equals like CAC, right? In this case. Exactly. That's right. So, so like, but what's funny is when you come from the digital world and hopefully I remember how to round this thought out, but when you come from the digital world, you look at a rent and you say $30,000, that's crazy. But you look, you said I spent 30,000 advertising yesterday, right? Like yeah. how is, why is the one crazy, but the other's not, you know, one, yeah. one disappears and vanishes into thin air after it's done. Right. Ads brick and mortar is there. Like yeah. it's an asset, yeah. right? It's there tomorrow. Like it's an ongoing asset. So it's, it's just fascinating. Retail does a lot, right? Kind of checks that box for us. We expect CAC to come down overall through all funnels because of retail. And the more retail presence we have, we think our CAC is going to go down because our awareness is going up. So that's one thing. Operationally, super interesting, right? Like returns and clothing specifically, they're brutal, right? Like how often do you try something 
going on. You go, oh, I just need a different size. Great. Well, over 80% of clothes that go back in most cases to a 3PL just get deemed unrestockable, right? Mm. You have these sunken costs that are just like, ah, like there's nothing wrong with this this clothing. It's just he got a large, he should have got an XL, right? Yeah. And maybe there's a dog hair on it, right? Like these random nuances. So by yeah. having these retail locations, we can actually process our reverse logistics through our retail, have our in-person team with our own hands, like bring this clothing in, look at it again, right? Like make sure it's good to go, restock it. And we can actually fulfill from the retail stores, which is super interesting. There's just so many ways you can use your retail presence to do a lot of these other functions that support direct to consumer growth, as well as just the growth as, of the business overall. That's great. And those are just helpful. You know, there's so many. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. I mean, I'm. we, we could go into, into an entire episode of all the yeah. different ways to do this. And even thinking about like, you know, entering new markets, it's like, well, how do we know that this is even going to be a good location? And what do we do? And then you know, look, I, I'm just consistently, I look at what Lulu did in the past, right? And just because I think they're such a good model, their pop-up shop model is incredible. You know, they came into our city, which is about 45 minutes outside of Vancouver, uh, Abbotsford, put a pop-up shop in, guess what? Didn't work, right? Didn't work. Awesome. Like what did that cost? them. And these pop-up yeah. shops are so much cheaper. The lease cost on these pop-up shops are way cheaper because they just want to fill the space, right? They're just like, oh, okay, well, like these landlords, you don't have to sign these like onerous contracts. It's just like, hey, you want to pop up for, you know, three months during shopping season? Awesome, <laughs> right? So Great. there's so many different options that you can do out there. Parker, what does the next five years look like for Feet? Omnichannel growth in the three channels, right? Many, 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 many more stores across the country, for sure. Direct to consumer, just step on the gas as hard as you possibly can. Massive awareness through creators, paid social in general, everything in the, in the direct-to-consumer ecosystem. Like, I don't see that going away. I see headwinds in the short term. Long term, I see it just continuing to be a massive channel. Like, we love buying stuff online, but I think as a consumer, we really want the omni-channel experience. I want to walk in the store, try stuff on. Oh, wow, I didn't know Feet makes this. Great. Okay. Two days later, I buy it online, right? Like, this kind totally. of like, it doesn't have to be like, Jordan, buy this right now. Like, it's like, no, man, like experience the brand, see our stuff, touch our stuff. Oh, walk into Equinox, see our stuff hanging. Oh, oh, I love this brand. I've seen this a couple of times, right? Like, I think that's the future of it is this omni-channel approach where you're seeing us everywhere, wholesale, retail, direct to consumer and scaling to the moon, right? Like build an incredible team. That's one thing more recently we've been doing is just focusing on incredible, incredible people. And our team right now, I, I would say we have the best team in the industry. I'd love to go head to head and anyone with a 10, 15 person team see you as the best team because I'm pretty confident we'd win that that one. Uh, Let's do it, Parker. A I've, got a few, I've got a few teams I'm going to bring to the uh, to the table, okay? So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Well, and, and that'll be a podcast episode all in itself is this head-to-head. -head. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> you got to pick your team. Yeah, yeah. It's fantasy football for startups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's essentially what investors are doing, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantasy football at a new uh, a new level. <laughs> Absolutely. Parker, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? I wish it was like, I could just give you this one thing, but I just think it's perseverance, man. Like it, for our story, it's just perseverance. It's like, there are so many reasons, so many days that it would have been so easy just to say, ah, let's go on to the next project, right? Let's go on to the next company. And like, if you look at the big brands that are here today, like no one did it overnight, right? Like they just didn't. Yeah. Read Shoe Dog. Peel back. Like, yeah, exactly. Like peel back the onion. Look at those early stories. Like no one did it overnight and flip your perspective from, oh man, I've been doing this for six years to I have six, seven years in this business specific to this business. So I have six, seven years experience on this business over anyone else that wants to start up and go against us head to head today, right? Like if a great competitor in the industry starts up a business today, like they're at day zero, right? So like, yeah, flip that perspective from, oh man, I, it's not an overnight success to, wow, like I'm just 
just getting a bigger and bigger head start, right? Like we're just mm. preparing for this scale and persevering through it all, like continuing to just keep going, keep your energy high and just keep going. That's awesome. It. Awesome. That's <laughs> Persevere. That's great. I love that. I love that, Parker. I got three more questions for you here. I hope that you are ready. First question for you, favorite app that you're using right now? Oh my gosh. I have no favorite apps right now. Actually, I do. It's just Slack. Like it's so boring, but one, you know, if Slack ever goes down on you, try to run your business. Oh, I, it, I remember last year it went down like two different days in the mornings. For, for, and I was like, it went down recent for us, like last couple months. And I woke up oh, and did. I was like, I don't think I have a business. Like it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, nothing out of the box there. Just like an absolutely essential tool that man, I do all my reminders in there. Like that is my thing. I hate email. If you email me, I probably didn't read it. Like (laughs) today I selected like 10,000 emails. Mark has read like I'm I'm just, if it's important, you'll find me somehow. Right. Like, yeah. Slack for the win, for sure. Uh, That's that's so perfect. So boring, but so essential. It's also how I kind of judge people's age. When they say the words Microsoft Teams, I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) We're on the same category there. So uh, you can just go do your team stuff and uh, I'm going to stay over here in uh, the modern world. So (laughs) second question for you, favorite podcast or audiobook you're listening to right now? Ooh, audiobook. I mean, I just listened to Andy Dunn's book, Burn Rate. Have you oh, okay. To that? I've never uh, never read or listened to that. That book is incredible. I would highly recommend take, it to take, everyone. Takeaways? I have a couple of chapters left, but just that, like, kind of going back to my first comment of perseverance, like, bonobos didn't happen overnight, right? Andy Dunn has a quote, something along the lines of, like, it takes 10 years to build something substantial or of significance. Mm. Like, it just does, you know? Like, yeah. A younger version of myself was like, oh, two, three years, like we're going to be in a good spot. But like, that just doesn't happen, you know? So like yep. adjust those expectations, realize it's a marathon, pace yourself, have a high, have a bigger vision, like re- as a founder, like have the biggest vision possible, the bigger, the better. And then just keep working towards that. And remember, it's going to be a marathon. So, hmm. and then also realizing like Andy Dunn is a legend, like he's a pioneer of direct to consumer. Yeah. And his journey was wild, like up, down, sideways, failure, massive amounts of money raised, sold to Walmart. Like you just hear it and you almost like hearing his story is almost like giving me more confidence like oh okay all these things this is what happens this is the process right this is the journey so totally definitely recommend burn rate by Andy Dunn interesting someone in the in the e-com space and and agency space as well oh what's his name Dimitri something uh Ninka something anyway a South African guy okay posted on Facebook today you know something about um you know he's had to lay off 30 employees this month he lost 500 grand in Bitcoin he lost all of these things and he's like I just want to put this out there and like immediately my body went limp in like, oh, somebody else gets it. Yeah. Oh, it's like, how nice is that to know? Not that I want to see him him (laughs) fail, but it's like, you know, we're all failing and succeeding. And yet like the LinkedIn world, maybe Twitter too, a little bit where you're just like, everything's golden. Oh, I'm like absolutely killing it. And like, it's just not the reality. Yeah. Like, you know, I had to fire three people yesterday. Yeah. That really freaking sucked. You know, my entire day was ruined having to do that. But these are the decisions that you have to make in business and it, and it sucks. Yeah. It's so hard as a founder, right? You take like, at least me, so much of it become, I feel it myself when it's like, no, no, I'm just the messenger for the business, right? Like me and the business are separate. I just, I'm just the one that can speak for the business because the business can't talk. So if the business needs something, needs to get rid of people for whatever reason, I, I'm the lucky one that gets to message that to the team, right? Like some yeah, of those things, I'm yeah, like, oh yeah, man, yeah. our job's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, it's super tough. Parker, last uh, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them, you can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, whatever you're into, can't be Elon Musk, who would it be? <laughs> Elon Musk sounds pretty fun. That'd be an interesting conversation. I don't know. I think the easy answer here would be uh, 
more recently, probably like Chip Wilson. Like it's just so applicable, right? Like this is a guy that just totally that just did it. Like I mean, how many brands out there right now are saying we're going to be the next Lululemon, right? Like how cool is yeah. that? I mean, just within my space, my mind goes right to Elon Musk. Or sorry, yeah, just not Elon Musk. My mind goes right to Chip Wilson and yeah. uh, Phil yeah, Knight yeah. and just some of these legends, Andy Dunn. You know, Phil Knight would be a great conversation to have as I well. Can imagine, right? Um, like, could you imagine? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'd love to. I, I think the reason I, I know we've mentioned Chip Wilson a lot, and I think just because it's super applicable for both of the businesses that we're talking about with our businesses right now is like, how did he recover from 20 years at West Beach and he walked away with a million dollars after 20 years? <laughs> he got a million dollars afterwards. Like guys, I know yeah. you people listening to the, to, to the average person that's like, whoa, he walked away with a million dollars. Like, no, no, if he was making like a hundred grand a year or yeah. something being the CEO and then walked away with a million dollars. Like legit, like basically walked away with nothing after all those years yeah. and then built a fashion empire. Yeah. You know, another one who I really like, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but uh, Five Guys, the founder of Five Guys. I oh, I don't, I don't know his name. I, I know Five Guys though. <laughs> he, he like just, I heard one podcast he was on and he just seems like such a humble guy. You know, he, he didn't have much like kind of working. He said he and his wife had a stint where they were um, experts at buying real estate high and selling low. Like he invented uh, <laughs> bottled water before it was a thing because bottled water has never been a thing. And the world was literally like, ha ha, who's going to drink bottled water? You know, like yeah. had a couple, like he, he goes through in this podcast. I think it's a how I built this. He has a number of misses. And then he's like, yeah. well, you know, like, I guess if, if I can't make a good burger, you know, like what am I really doing? So yeah. Five Guys was born. And I mean, look at what they've done. It's just insane. Oh, absolutely. Oh man, Parker, I feel like we could talk forever. We're going to have to wrap this one up. Where can people find out more about you, connect with you and with Feet? Yeah, I mean, obviously our website, feetclothing.com. That's F-E-A-T on all social. If you just look up F-E-A-T, you can find Feet. Lots of new product come in. That's, you know, that's my personal passion within the business is, is building the product. So that's why I get excited about building something, bringing it to life and then having someone be excited to buy it, right? It, be excited to buy this thing from you. I, I, I love that. Cool. So yeah, then you can check out my co-founder, Taylor on TikTok. He's a really fun one to follow. Taylor Offer, that's his, that's his name there in LinkedIn. And then mine's just Parker underscore Burr. Cool. Uh, you guys killing it on uh, TikTok with that feet? Uh, having some fun with it. Um, I wouldn't say killing it yet, but I think I think it will be a focal point going forward. And Taylor loves that stuff. Like one of his first videos he posted with our store journey, it's like 3 million organic views, you know, like wow. Wow. a number of hits thereafter. So having some fun, just making it, a, showing the journey, like showing how relatable it is and being real. And that's the thing. I was so anti TikTok forever. And what I realized was like, this is so interesting. Like, I think we as people are tired of like the perfect person on Instagram and TikTok yeah. is the exact opposite of that. It's look, it is. I'm real. Show me your worst. Yeah. Like that's basically what it is. I'm not an yeah. editor. I'm not going to spend time editing this, but I'm going to give you all the information you need in like 10 seconds. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, TikTok's fasc fascinating. So I think it's interesting. I still think all social media is bad for you, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> I'm with you, Parker. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again uh, so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Jordan. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. 
This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.